Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Good morning. Um, thank you for joining us this morning. I have an absolutely wonderful guest for you today, Dr. Bonnie Kaplan, Professor Emerita from Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary. And she is going to talk to us about one of my favorite topics, nutrition. Um, I, I think nutrition is foundational in, in just life. So I think this is a fabulous topic. Um, so welcome to the show, Dr. Kaplan. Thank you so much, Fazia. Yeah, I love that introduction because you use the word that I always use. Nutrition is the foundation. Oh, well, wonderful. So, <laughs> yeah, please, please tell us a little bit about you before we get started on um, our talks about nutrition. Tell us a little bit about you. How did you get involved in, in research and how did you get involved in nutrition specifically? Okay, so I've always been interested in the biological basis of human behavior, which means that even though my first degrees were in psychology, they were in experimental psychology. Or as I like to say to people, I don't help people, I just study them, right? I do research. But if you're interested in the biological basis of human behavior and mental health, then inevitably um, you run into what is going on in the brain. And fundamentally, what's going on in the brain, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, involves biochemistry, which I'm really not trained in. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm trained much more in experimental psychology and neurophysiology, but you run into what nutrients do in the metabolic pathways in the brain. And that, that tells you a very important part of the story of why we are what we eat. Absolutely. So there are, there are a lot of books on, uh, diet. There's a lot of books on nutrition. Um, I mean, it's it's big business. So why did you decide to write another book? What makes yeah. your book different? It really is extremely different. So I'm so glad you're asking that question. I get asked this all the time. I've even been rejected from being in forums because they say, oh, we've covered nutrition. Well, I say most 99% of the books out there on nutrition are below the net, physical health. And that's very important. Obesity, cardiovascular disease, et cetera, diabetes. A small number are on brain health, but they don't explain to me the most important thing that enables people to change their behavior. And that is what nutrients do in our brain. So I call them, this is a little bit dismissive. I, I actually agree with what most of them say, which is to eat healthier food, but I call them shake the finger in your Facebooks, eat this, eat that. That doesn't change human behavior. If you want to change behavior, people have to understand why why they should eat this and not that. So our book begins with, well, chapter two really explains it the best, I think, explains what nutrients are doing in our brain and how when we eat, we are mostly feeding our brain. It, it is the greediest organ in our entire being. <laughs> and so we have to pay attention to what's going up into our brain. I love that. So one of the things that you talked about are micronutrients. What purpose do they play in the brain? 
Right. So this is like, we try very hard not to have jargon. And in fact, we paid someone to go through our whole book and make sure that we got rid of all the jargon. So it's really written for the general public. And people say it's entertaining. It's a good read. Lots of stories and anecdotes. But there is this one term you have to understand. Macronutrients, everybody kind of agrees what they are. They are on our product labels. They are the proteins, carbohydrates, fats, things like that. And frankly, nobody in North America anyway is really short on protein or deficient in carbohydrates. They might not be eating the right carbohydrates or probably eating the simple ones, not the complex, but we're getting our carbohydrates and fats. Again, we're not short on fats. Again, we're not probably eating the best ones. The omega-3s, we're probably getting a lot of saturated fats, but they are not the issue for brain health that we are wanting to focus on. We want to focus on, and this is how we use micronutrients, minerals and vitamins. And people really underestimate how many of them are important every 60 seconds of every day. Every 60 seconds, your heart is beating, which means you're alive. Um, You are forcing a liter or a quart, depending on who you're talking to, a liter (laughs) of blood through all of the uh, complex vasculature of our brain. Well, we only have about six, five or six liters of blood in our entire body. And our brain is only 2% of our weight. So that's amazing that this tiny little 2% organ is getting almost 20% of the blood in our body every single minute that we're alive. So it's really important that we know what is getting into our brain and what the bottom line is that it's roughly 30 minerals and vitamins are very well defined in terms of their role in the brain. And that's very, very important. Now, there are other things, other phytonutrients, et cetera, we don't have time to get into, but certainly micronutrients refer to those roughly 30 minerals and vitamins. Yeah, we'll leave those for another show. Okay. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, this is a huge topic. I mean, uh, it's it's huge. It's it's huge business nutrition. And and I think what you're talking about is something that is not very common. So I, I love that you're actually talking about it today. Uh, why is it important for the average person to learn about brain metabolism? Why is that important? You know, around 15 years ago, Fazia, I began um, showing a slide, which is uh, a very simplified version is in chapter two, that showed what nutrients are doing in order to enable our brains to manufacture the chemicals we need. And that's when I discovered all these people would come up to me and say, I get it now. I get why eating is important. And I'm going to pay more attention to what I put in my mouth. So these aha moments happened because I explained the most fundamental, simple principle of metabolism. And remember, I'm not a biochemist, but anybody can understand this. Um, first of all, I'm going to I'm going to quiz you, Fozzie. I hope I don't put you. All on right, so we'll me. find out. We will find out what what <laughs> should you what should you eat to uh, consume serotonin and dopamine. Everybody's heard of serotonin and dopamine as to the important neurotransmitters. So what what food uh, will give you serotonin and dopamine? It's a trick question. I'm guessing carbs. No, the answer is you can't eat it. 
<laughs> you okay. I was yeah. guessing. Yeah, I did. No. <laughs> you the trick questions, so thank you for letting me do okay. that. Yes, well, thank you. But anyway, yeah. people haven't really thought about this. Everybody knows we need, for example, lots of serotonin in our brain. But you can't go and eat it in a food. What you eat are the precursors to serotonin. And tryptophan is the best known one. And so what our diagram shows you is how our very clever little brain, uh, it it does manufacture all these neurotransmitters if you give it the micronutrients that it needs. Now, here's how it works. And it's so simple. Let's say you have chemical A and you want it transformed to chemical B. Well, we just gave an example. We need tryptophan converted so that you have serotonin. What has to happen? Well, we are made up of enzymatic reactions. And I think a lot of your listeners probably have heard the term enzyme, that enzymes somehow change chemical A to chemical B, and that is accurate. But what they probably don't know, because we we should be teaching it in elementary school, but we don't, is that enzymes are dependent upon cofactors. Cofactors are vitamins and minerals and some other things too, but primarily minerals and vitamins. So if you want optimal enzymatic reactions for tryptophan to be converted to serotonin, guess what you need? You need to be consuming a whole lot of minerals and vitamins so that every minute of every day, that liter of blood coursing through your brain is carrying minerals and vitamins to all the nooks and crannies. And your brain, which is smarter than you and me, we don't know how to convert things to serotonin, right? But our brains know how to do it. And they manufacture the serotonin we need. Now, that's not a complicated story, is it? It's really very simple. And it well, motivates- I think it's very complicated, but you've simplified it. So thank okay. you for that. <laughs> okay. And the reason I do that is, this is a funny story, Fazia, but I've had lots and lots of people come up to me after lectures. Well, this is when we were doing them in person, of course. And um, <laughs> they say that was an aha moment for me. I've also had a number of people who've said, Bonnie, I, I think I'm going to forget everything else you said, which is okay, but I'm going to remember that that I didn't realize I could understand it. And that is what will change the way I eat. So I'm trying to empower people to to change their behavior based upon knowledge and just telling them, eat this, eat that, that really doesn't work. Yeah, I think I think that's fascinating. I remember when I was younger, my dad would always tell me he didn't eat for um, enjoyment for the taste. He ate, he ate certain things because of what it did to, because of what it did for him and his body. So he knew early on that, and he was always eating, you know, nuts. There was always certain things lying around the house that he would snack on. And when I start reading nutrition books or when I start reading or listening to people talk about nutrition, he knew those things many, many years ago. And he, live by that. And he lived a very healthy life. So I I think eating the right foods is definitely instrumental in a very healthy life. It is. Um, Absolutely. So you had talked about a diagram earlier. Is that a diagram that's in your book? It is. It's in chapter two, and it's just a very tiny, tiny, simplified portion of what I was describing, the conversion of tryptophan to serotonin. But it carries one other message. May I focus on that? 
Absolutely. And please tell everyone what your book is called first. Oh, it's called The Better Brain. And that the title, if you go searching for The Better Brain, you might find more than one book. It's a little confusing. Ours has a purple cauliflower on the front. But if you want to be sure you get the information about the book and about me, the easiest thing to do is to go to my website. Now, my website is my name, but there are too many Bonnie Kaplans in the world, so I had to use my middle initial. So it's BonnieJKaplan.com. Thank so you. So B-O-N-N-I-E-J-K-A-P-L-A-N.com. Um, so the other message of what we're talking about, um, you know what? I might come. No, I'll say it here. Okay. Okay. I want to talk about magical thinking, okay? <laughs> we are all people who are susceptible to magical thinking. If we have something wrong, we want to take one thing for it. If you have an infection, you want to take just one antibiotic. If you have something else wrong with you, you want one magic bullet. And it happens that in a lot of physical health that that's very, that's very much the way we're treated very appropriately, and it works. The brain is more complicated, but we carry that magic bullet, we call it magic bullet thinking, over to brain health, and it doesn't work. So funding agencies will will give millions of dollars to people who say, we're going to do the best ever study of, say, vitamin D and depression. We're going to show what vitamin D can do to fix depression. Well, that's one of the roughly 30 vitamins and minerals that our brain needs. So what do you get? You get these really minor results and not a very big impact. Same thing actually with the omega-3 fatty acid studies. You get a moderate impact, but it's not very large impact. In contrast, when we have done studies changing all of diet or doing, and when I, I'm using the royal weed to refer to the very small group of researchers in the world looking at nutrition and mental health, um, or so when we either do whole of diet or we do broad spectrum, roughly 30 micronutrients in a supplement, then we get a much larger impact. But the world doesn't know and that's why, I mean, our book covers, um, my co-author and I uh, cover roughly 45 or so studies on, on multinutrient formulas in the book. And people are amazed that there's that much research, but it's out there. It's just that the media won't cover it. They are not interested oh. in, in nutrients in pill form unless it's a single magic bullet. They want to be able to say, oh, fix your brain with this or that. And it's not that simple. Absolutely. Yeah, I I get that when I work with uh, clients, they'll come to me and they'll just want like an instant fix. And the reality is it took years to get to where they're at. So it's going to take some time to correct the situation. So I I completely understand. Um, Is it okay for people to eat like muffins and bagels and cookies sometimes? Or should they just stick to a strict diet? (laughs) <laughs> I cannot be a purist about anything. <laughs> politics, religion, sorry. I just, you know, humans are not built that way. And you can't lead a life of deprivation. I always say if I can't have an occasional chocolate chip cookie, then life is probably not worth living. But some people go with the 80% rule. Um, I don't really think that works if you're addicted to sugar. I mean, sugar is a very 
addictive substance, the refined carbohydrates. So if you are really addicted, you may have to go, you know, to more of a 95, 5% rule and just occasionally have a refined carb treat because it's just, you can't stop. I mean, I, I don't completely understand this. I've never experienced it, but I know what the addiction literature shows is there are people who, um, if their weakness is, I don't know, Oreo cookies, they they eat the whole bag. They cannot stop. So, the, for, but for many of us, we're not addicted to sugar. We just need to eat healthier. And so, um, 80 or 90% of the time, eating a whole foods, healthy diet and having an occasional treat is the way to go. But you know what's happened in the current generation that I've seen, Fazia, is I think I've seen in a lot of younger people that they think all food should be treats. I mean, what I would call treat, like sweets and packaged little treats. They don't think about food as medicine, as your father obviously did, and eating whole yes. foods to build our cells and maintain our brains. You know what? I, I'm, I'm, I, I never really thought about it as a treat, but you're right. I see a lot of people eating bars. And I, I personally like those, I don't even know what they are. They're just nutritional bars and there's a variety of them. I, I personally don't eat them, so I don't know what else is out there, but um, I know that a lot of people will just eat a nutritional bar. Is that what you're talking as a, as a treat? Well, I meant anything that's like a, you know, pop up this or a quick that that has virtually no minerals and vitamins in it. We, some people call it ultra processed food. I don't really like that term because most of the ultra processed stuff is not food. Food is what enables our cells to grow and function. I mean, that's what food is. That's why food is our medicine. It is the foundation of our physical and mental health. The ultra processed stuff is just chemicals. If you look at the packaging, there is practically no micronutrients. They might, in Canada anyway, they sometimes list five of them. And most of them are at 0% of the RDA for two or three minerals and vitamins. They might be 5% of the RDA. I mean, that's, that's like zero. It's nothing what your brain needs, nothing really to feed your brain and to enable it to function optimally. That's ultra, Does your audience know the difference between whole foods and the different levels of processing? Well, I don't know. I was going to ask you if you could define uh, what ultra processed means and, and maybe kind of talk a little bit about that and the difference between whole foods and the, whole, the foods that they should be eating. Okay, so um, this is a very interesting, and, and the fun part of it is I'm going to dispel a couple of myths, okay? I love so, it. Thank you. <laughs> first of all, um, processing is on a continuum. Pardon me. I, was, I spent half my life in the U.S. and half in Canada, and sometimes they say processing and sometimes processing. It's like I'm still split between the two ways of talking. Anyway. Oh, that's okay. That explains why you, you don't have an accent. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> okay. So processing is on a continuum. Everybody knows what a whole food is. When you go to the grocery store and you buy an apple, that is a whole food. And most people probably know what is at the other end of the continuum, which is ultra processed. It's from the inside aisles 
of your grocery store. It's the sugary drinks and the packaged cookies and crackers. And they're the ones, when you look at the nutrient content, the micronutrient content, you see virtually no vitamins and minerals. So these are really, it's what we used to call junk food. I try not to use that term because it's pejorative. And I think we need to describe more than be insulting. So those are the two ends of the continuum. Every step you can move your diet closer to the whole foods end is a bonus for your brain. But there is some, there are some people who are real purists, and I don't think they understand that some level of processing is actually quite okay. For example, I'm old enough to remember in the 50s when we started to get flash frozen food. And I know that when I go to the grocery store right now and buy a package of frozen peas that has no additives, that they might be fresher and more nutritious than what's been sitting out, you know, in the produce department for a while. So it's sure. kind of, you know, that's just the way it is. And I also know that if I want to eat applesauce, it just has a little bit of a preservative or something. It's not the end of the world. It's minimally processed. So just moving, but if we could just get people to move toward the um, less processed end, the first myth that we can dis dispel is that some of the minor things like freezing are not, or canning, like canned beans and legumes are usually quite okay. If you want to get rid of any excess sodium, you rinse them off and, and then you save yourself hours of soaking. So first of all, minimally processed can be quite good for you. And the second thing is you will save money because that other end of the continuum of really ultra processed packaged stuff and going to restaurants and getting, you know, your burger and fries and sodas that, or eating from vending machines and corner stores, that costs a lot of money. People think that they're eating that way because it's cheaper, but research has shown you can save as much as 20% of your food budget by eating a more whole foods Mediterranean style of diet. And we can talk about what Mediterranean means. And also clinicians have worked with, who I know have worked with clients, have had them document what they're spending for food every week for themselves or maybe for their family, and then take a look at how much they're spending as they move to more of a whole foods diet. And they are amazed at how much money they save. Now, you yeah. can't spend a lot on lobster and steak sure. <laughs> when you go to a whole foods diet, but that's not what we recommend, of course. Oh, of course. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what is the Mediterranean diet? So nobody really agrees on Mediterranean, but uh, that's why, like in our book, we say Mediterranean style diet, but it certainly includes lots of fruit, fruits and vegetables. Um, it includes whole grains instead of ultra, you know, processed white flour stuff. It includes olive oil as much as possible for your oil, nuts and seeds, and lots of beans and legumes. Also fish a couple times a week. Um, and also, if you're not a vegetarian, eating a healthy kind of meat, eating, and if you're not a vegan, uh, it includes uh, dairy and eggs. So it's all of those you can get around the outside aisles, of your grocery store, and you will be a healthier person. And I'd like to quote you a couple of statistics from the U.S. Is this on how your Americans are currently eating? Is this the place to do that? There Absolutely. Let's, let's go ahead and do that. 
So um, some of your American listeners will know what the NHANES data is. NHANES started in 1971, and it's um, your U.S. government method of monitoring how Americans are eating. And it stands for nutrition, health, and, um, oh, sorry, national health and nutrition um, survey. I left out a word, but you got the idea. Yes. So in the last three months, um, two papers have come out on NHANES data asking the question, what percentage of what Americans are putting in their mouth is ultra-processed? Which, I mean, to me, you can take out the word ultra-processed and just say nutrient-free. I mean, having not feeding your brain. What percentage are we putting in our mouths that is not feeding our brain? And the results are, are just astounding if you, were, if you didn't know that it's been headed in this direction. For children aged 2 to 19, it's 67%. For adults over 19, it's 57%. So why don't we just agree to say more than half of what Americans and all the rest of the world to it, you know, it's just that any oh, sure. data, over half of what we're putting in our mouth is not feeding our brain. And so we are voluntarily cutting our micronutrient intake in half compared to what our, say, grandparents and other ancestors who could have, you know, if they were eating outside, you know, we don't want to talk about the depression and the world wars and all of that, but, you know, what their diet would have consisted of. We have cut our micronutrient intake in half. And it's, you know, it's a terrible experiment doing yeah, that's, that's actually, I'm quite stunned about, I, I didn't think it would be that high. Um, that's fascinating. Um, we have a few minutes before the break, and I just want to make sure that um, everybody knows how to get the book, The Better Brain. Um, go to bonniejkaplan.com and um, get a copy of Dr. Kaplan's book. It's um, fascinating, and I think you will definitely enjoy it. Um, is there is there a phone number or is there in any other way that you'd like to have uh, our listeners connect with you, uh, you if they have any questions? Yeah, you can contact me on that webpage. And by the way, the book is available in many parts of the world. It's um, in bookstores. It's in Kindle. It's in uh, lots, tons of libraries. Um, so if you can't afford, afford it, you can usually get a used copy. It'll be out in paperback next summer. And awesome. already Amazon has put it on sale. So okay, <laughs> it keeps coming down. That's how you know you've made it when Amazon has you on sale, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank you. And we're going to take a break in a couple minutes. And when we come back, we're going to talk about research and ADHD, um, as well as um, some additional studies on um, combating on cam- combating anxiety, depression and other emotional disorders. So um, when we come back, we'll talk about those with Dr. Kaplan. If you are interested in getting in touch with me, you can go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can read, you can subscribe to our magazine um, on that website. You can also listen to the radio show and you can um, look at our YouTube um, channel where I have presentations that I've done loaded up on there. And if you'd like to get in touch with me and request a free consultation, you can um, send me an email through the website. You can also call me at 480-648-1122. 
And don't miss next week where we talk to Amanda Tipkimpar. She is um, going to talk about autism, and um, it's just going to be an absolutely wonderful presentation. So I'm really looking forward to that. So we'll be back after these messages, and we'll talk more with Dr. Bonnie Kaplan. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fozzie Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Fozzie works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back, and thank you for listening. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our listeners in China and Pakistan and the Netherlands and Ireland. So thank you so much for listening to us. Today, I have Dr. Bonnie Kaplan. Uh, She is from Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary, and um, she is talking to us about nutrition today and the importance of nutrition uh, for brain function. So welcome back, Dr. Kaplan. Thank you. It's, It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I've really enjoyed um, our conversation so far, and I and I, I hope you have as well. I, I would definitely like to um, take it to the next step and talk a little bit about studies that show efficacy of nutrition for combating anxiety, depression, and maybe some other emotional disorders. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? Sure, <clears throat> absolutely. So um, the first thing I want to say is that we shouldn't have to do any studies we already have historical information. You know, just before the break, we were talking about how our society is doing an experiment on itself by cutting its nutrient intake by 50%. Well, 70 years ago, the University of Minnesota after World War II was doing research on starvation. And they had some normal, healthy men 
who went into uh, an experiment voluntarily to cut their nutrient intake by 50%. Now, they also cut their caloric intake by 50%, which our society is not doing. We are keeping our calories up there very high, but not getting our micronutrients. So it's not a perfectly analogous situation. But I can tell you what they found was astounding. They got depression, anxiety, um, racing thoughts, um, in some cases, uh, even psychosis. That's what emerged in just a couple of months of cutting their micronutrient intake in half. So I look at that and I know that the world is complicated and nutrition does not explain everything. Sorry, if you're hearing a beep, I'm unplugging something that seems to be wobbling. Oh, no. I just took it off. Okay. Um, but uh, there are lots of reasons that we have emotional problems. They can't all be due to nutrition. But if nutrition is the foundation, then it's no surprise that in 1960, the prevalence of mental disorders was less than 3%. Now it's 20%. And according to the World Health Organization, lifetime rate is 50%. Half of us, one out of every two according to the World Health Organization, we'll experience a mental disorder in our lifetime. So there are a lot of explanations for that. Again, I'm not saying nutrition is the only one, but um, it's got to be a major factor because as this has been going on, we've been medicating, medicating, medicating. Conventional treatment is not solving the problem. But in the meantime, we've been eating more and more and more poorly, fewer and fewer micronutrients. So it is not surprising that there's a very large body of literature showing correlation between how we eat and mental disorders. Um, prospective studies that show how children are eating now predicts their risk for being referred for a diagnosis and treatment of a mental, mental, sorry, mental disorder two years down the road. That's There have been a couple of studies that show that. And in addition... When we study improving diet, there are a few, whole, we call them whole of diet studies, that show that mental health improves. And finally, the work that my co-author, Julia Rucklidge, and I have been especially involved in, there are over 40 studies that show that if we provide a supplement which is multinutrient and reflects the complexity of the brain's needs, so roughly 30 minerals and vitamins, we can help people with a whole variety of issues. So that's a kind of an overview. And sometimes I talk about ADHD as a, an example for a couple of reasons. One is, well, in this case, because you're focused on executive function, that's something we should talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another reason is that there are now three placebo randomized controlled trials published. Now, the third one came out after our book was published, so it's not in the book. The first two are, in fact, from my co-author, Dr. Julia Rutledge, who's at the University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand. And she showed first in adults and then in children that there was improvement in a placebo-controlled trial where you break the blind at the end and you find out Yes, when you give broad multinutrient formula is a lot of capsules. We always get big placebo effects, 
So yes, some people got better on placebo, but for both trials, both of which are in really major psychiatry journals, um, peer-reviewed, et cetera, what they found was that the people who were taking the real stuff got much, much better, significantly better than those on placebo. So it wasn't a small effect size, it's a moderate to large effect size. The third one- it is, but I want to tell you the main thing they found across all three of the tri- trials after I just briefly described the third one. The third one, the principal investigator was Dr. Jenny Johnstone, who's at Oregon Health and Science University, who actually did part of her training working with Dr. Rutledge in New Zealand, but she's an American. She came back to live in the States and she just completed what's called the MADDIE trial, which is micronutrients in ADD youth. It's a cute little acronym. So Natty that is cute. <laughs> was again in children and adolescents, and it was placebo controlled, etc. But it was also run across two countries. There was a Canadian site and two American sites. So multi-center, multi-country. And what they found very clearly was exactly what was found in the first two studies. Yeah, you get a big placebo effect when you give people lots of big capsules, you know, but um, it's nothing compared to the benefit from uh, the, the real stuff of broad spectrum micronutrients. But here's the overriding um, finding across those three studies and across a whole lot of other studies. And that is that the DSM categories, we can't pay too much attention to them because the symptoms that improve are found in lots of different categories, lots of different diagnostic boxes. And the symptoms that improve in all of these three studies and and a whole bunch of others are self-regulation of mood. People who have difficulty with self-regulation and especially of self-regulation of emotions find the quickest and most thorough benefit. So that tells me that a lot of what we see in meltdowns, explosive rage, all of these we've we've published on, um, uh, emotional dysregulation with mood going up and down, which we call bipolar disorder, depression where we can't pull ourselves out of it, that all of these are, it's worth trying a multinutrient formula in them. So chapter 11 of our book, we go through all of the form, multinutrient formulas in the world for which there is scientific evidence of benefit for mental health. And that might interest some of your, your uh, listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, would it be better for individuals to take a capsule or would it be better for them to um, have appropriate recipes and, and know what to eat, or is it better for them to do a combination of the two? I think it should be done in sequence, and we need more studies exactly on that. But um, it is logical to me that we should, I mean, if we're half of what we're putting in our mouth is free of micronutrients, we're damaging ourselves. Let's stop doing that first. Our book is a food first book, and we do have a whole chapter on recipes because I always say that the only people who want to put the world on pills are the pharmaceutical companies, but Julie and I don't want to do that. I mean, we know the power of 
um, supplements, but uh, the right ones anyway, but it's not a first step for many, many people. Clean up your diet, move gradually, but not, you know, too slowly toward getting rid of the ultra processed stuff. Start eating and then you have to eat something. You will eat more whole foods when you get rid of that, those chemical bombs, you know, and sugar bombs that you're consuming. Um, if you don't buy it, you don't eat it. So that's not completely true in families. A woman was telling me yesterday, what do, you know, what do I do about my husband? He keeps buying that stuff. <laughs> At any rate, yeah. you know, there are all kinds of, and there are all kinds of resources out, out there, aren't there, Fuzzy, on how to eat better. Well, I think so. But I think one of the biggest um, issues that I see is people just run out of time. And so they try to buy food that allows them convenience. So instead of going to the store twice or three times a week and buying fresh, what I call fast food, the bananas and the oranges and the apples, because that's what I eat when I'm hungry and I need a quick snack. Uh, instead of buying things like that because they go bad quickly, they buy the cookies or the potato chips or you know things that they can eat quickly while they're sitting at their desk working. And, and I think that's the problem, that that's where they're not getting the nutrients they need. Whereas if they took the time to maybe go to the grocery store twice or three times a week, they might eat better. There are a lot of obstacles toward improving your diet. There's no question, but a lot of it has to do with a little creativity. Like it's not hard to have carrots will last, you know, you don't have to buy them three times a week and you can buy a container or you can make your own hummus or buy a container of hummus or some kind of dip. And that lasts more than a week. So you can eat, if anything, our society seems, if you look at the NHANES data and also some Canadian data from our Canadian Community Health Survey, people seem to be um, a little more deficient on the vegetables than on fruit. So I'm not discouraged, don't want to give the message I'm discouraging you from eating fruit. Far be it for me to sure, give that sure. But I want to emphasize uh, veggies whenever I can. And if you can buy a frozen package of, of broccoli or spinach or whatever um, and have canned or, or just dried lentils, lentils are very fast to cook. You can put, I, I wonder if people realize that one of the things you can do is go to your search engine, Google or whatever, put in the word recipe and then list two or three things that you have in your fridge or in your cupboard and you don't know how you could combine them or whatever. And unless they're really weird things, you will come up with some recipes that say, oh, just buy, you know, you'll say, oh, I have everything except maybe I need to stop by and pick up an onion or whatever. Um, And you'll get a lot of ways to combine foods that way. And for something like lentils or kidney beans that you can either buy dried or if you can spend just a little more canned, um, and as I said before, I think rinse them off if you want to get rid of the sodium, you can put that in your search. Just say recipes, lentils. You'll have more than 5 million recipes in less than one second. I know because I try this all the time. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Absolutely. There's really no reason why we as a society should not be eating well and feeding our brain properly. There really isn't. That's right. It's just a matter of determination. And for some people, it has to be a step system. You know, you have to move toward it gradually. Like, this is the habit I want to improve on. And so I'm going to work on my morning snack. 
Okay, and I'm not going to pay for yeah. the rest right away. Something like that, right? Uh, absolutely. I was just going to say it's a habit you need to change, and that's really what it it comes down to is you need a new habit. Right. Um, and habits are not hard to change. You just have to put a little effort into them. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about, um, you know, what are the biggest changes you would like to see in the mental health treatment and how treatment is provided in North America? Well, this is my real passion. I, I keep telling people, of course, I want our book to sell more widely. It's doing very well. We've been on the local bestseller list quite a lot. But um, my goal is not to sell books. My goal is to educate the public so that we change our mental health treatment. Then I'll know that we've achieved something. Because right now, a child is instantly medicated whenever there's a behavioral or emotional problem. I would like to protect those developing brains as long as possible. I'm not saying they will never use medication. There is a place for medication, but a well-nourished brain also can get along usually on a a lower dose of a, a psychiatric medication. So let's deal with the foundation first. So what does that mean in terms of systems? And by the way, if anyone out there is listening to this and can help me connect with more policymakers where you live, where I live, whatever, um, contact me on my website because I'm, I'm getting a lot of connections that way and that's very important to me. So here's what we should do. In chapter 12, which I loved writing, um, it's our vision for a better tomorrow. The better tomorrow means that everyone will learn in school and including in medical schools. They're not taught this either. What micronutrients do in the brain so that we value nutrition and we don't say something like, oh, it's just vitamins. Nothing is just vitamins. That trivializes it. It's what we're made of, minerals and vitamins and fatty acids, et cetera. So education. Absolutely. We will also be educated about how to eat a more whole foods, true food diet. Dr. Andrew Weil coined the term true food a long time ago, and it's what we need to be feeding ourselves. If we still have, say, a child who's having meltdowns, a lot of emotional problems, it is possible that there are other issues, of course, like microbiome, including microbiome of the soil, which we spend a half a chapter on, and we don't have time to go into that here. But it's also very possible that, um, that people are, in fact, displaying a need for an unusual amount of cofactors for optimal brain metabolism, which is something that Linus Pauling in the 1960s said is probably the basis of mental illness. That's the quote at the top of our chapter one, and it's on my webpage. I think he was brilliant and insightful. You have it right there? I agree with you. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Then there's a place for supplementation. And that's why some people who are eating very excellent diets still benefit from taking one of the broad spectrum formulas, which have shown to benefit mental health. Somewhere down the line, also introduce exercise, get people fostering better relationships, meditation, all of the, you know, everything that I've said is about nutrition. It doesn't mean that these other things are irrelevant. They're very important. Oh, absolutely. I think they're all tied together very closely, but I do think that nutrition is the foundation. If you don't have a healthy brain and a healthy body, it's hard to focus to participate in meditation 
or visualization or something else for that matter. It's hard to do anything really if you don't have that solid nutrition under your belt. Fazia, I, I love talking to someone like you who really gets that because we hear anecdotally people say to us, you know, I, I went through all these courses on self-regulation of this and, and I don't know, DBT and CBT and all these different things. But until I improved my brain health with nutrition, I couldn't utilize what I had been taught. Isn't mm-hmm. that logical? And so brain fog yeah. looks for many people. It's often one of the first things that happens. People who quit sugar Um, and I'm part of the Quit Sugar Summit that's coming up, so that's why I'm very familiar with this, often do it to to lose weight. But according to Mike Collins, who runs the Quit uh, Sugar Group, um, they always come back and say the first thing they notice is the brain fog has lifted. Well, why is that? It's not just because they got rid of the sugar, but you got to eat something. So then they start eating the micronutrients that they need. And by the way, again, in our vision of the future, somewhere down the line, medication could be introduced if it's appropriate for some people. We know that psychiatric medications help some people. We just don't think it should be the first step. I, I agree with you. I, I see a lot of um, adults as well as children who come in with, you know, autism or ADHD or, um, you know, any, any other disorder. And when I look at them, I, I let them know that, I, you know, I refer out to a lot of different professionals. And one of the things I talk a lot about with my clients is nutrition. If you eat well, you will, you will do better. You'll be more responsive to what we do. And so I, I think nutrition is just such a, a foundational part of our lives. So I really appreciate you coming on today and talking about this. It's, it's just absolutely wonderful to share this, this information with our listeners. Um, what are some activities that you are involved in um, that help bring change to the field of mental health right now? Well, I'm reaching out to a lot of people, but I guess the thing that I've uh, had the most success at is helping to fund uh, the research of my junior colleagues. You see, there is this, you know, NIMH has rejected excellent clinical trials of broad spectrum micronutrients while funding these magic bullets because they want They just don't want to study more than one nutrient at a time. So that's how funding agencies work. It's not the way our brain works, though. And so we're just wasting our tax money. So one of the things that I did when I um, retired from actively running research in 2015 was I set up two charitable funds, uh, one in the U.S. and one in Canada, so that donors in both countries could get charitable tax receipts. You know, it's 501c3 foundation, et cetera. And I thought maybe I'd, I'd raise $50,000 or something. And uh, two months ago, we exceeded a million dollars. I couldn't wow. amazed. The donors have been wonderful. It's all distributed. Um, more than half the MADI trial was funded, in fact, from the various funds from our, my donors. And I'm so proud that people are trusting me to distribute the money to competent scientists, which I'm trying to do consistently. Um, well, congratulations on that. We have about three minutes left before we end our show today. Where could somebody go if they wanted to donate to your 501c3? You know, uh, take a look at my website. It shows the two funds and it gives the links. Um, but if anything is not clear or if you're from a country where maybe that, that might not work, just go to the t- contact page and, and drop me an email. I answer every one of those emails myself. 
Okay. And that's um, Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I-E-J, Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N dot com. Did I get that right? Okay, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So feel free to uh, donate to uh, Dr. Kaplan's charitable fund or uh, definitely make sure you buy her book. I I think you will benefit from it. Uh, I really want to thank you. It's just an absolute pleasure interviewing you today. And if you want to hang on after the show, I'd love to chat with you for a couple minutes as well. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And I want to thank my listeners for listening. Um, Next week, once again, we have another amazing person coming on the show, Amanda Tipkempar, and she's going to talk about autism. So don't miss that show. Um, She is absolutely a wonderful human being, and I'm looking forward to interviewing her. I am at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. So if you want to email me, you can go there. If you want to listen to my um, show, the radio show, podcast, you can go there as well. And please don't forget to subscribe to our new um, magazine. The first issue went out on January 10th, and the next one is coming out in April. So um, that's um, we're looking forward to a wonderful new um, magazine coming out in April. So don't miss that. And um, let's see, um, the radio show podcast. And also, um, if you have any questions and a free consultation, you can also contact me through um, the website. Um, once again, thank you so much, Dr. Kaplan. Is there any last words that you'd like to say before we end our conversation today? Well, I would like to mention, I always forget to say this, that uh, some of the proceeds from the book sales will go to those charitable funds because we we have to make sure that we have lots of younger scientists. I'm in my 70s, so younger scientists who continue to study the role of nutrition in the treatment of mental health. This is so important to me, in addition to reaching out to policymakers and politicians. So thank you for giving me time on your on your radio show. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And we'll see, we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.